0: Well, Good morning, church. Good morning. What a great morning of worship already. I love it. Welcome to the 10 a.m. service. So glad you're here today. I love new beginnings. I love new starts. I love when God's moving in such a way and more people are coming to join in what He's doing. And it's just exciting. It's exciting to be a part of what He's doing. And we're in the middle of this great series, a series called Better Together. And it's a series that God is teaching us what it means to be church, what it means to be community, what it means to live out our faith on an everyday basis. And in this series, we're looking at this model in Acts chapter 2, which is the early church. And we're seeing how they worshiped together and how they reached out together for the glory of God. we're seeing how they served together. And we're talking about how do we, as the church today, do that? Because 14 years ago, when God called us to plant rolling hills, He gave us this as kind of the blueprint. To say, this is what church Should be So let's look at that. It's Acts chapter 2. We're just going to put it on the screen. In Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. And so we're learning in God's word. And we're seeing God's truth come to life. And how it applies to us. And it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. That's community. Of sharing life together. To the breaking of bread. You know that's communion. And to prayer. See, they realized they need to pray. They realized they needed each other, that they had this common bond together. It says, everyone was filled with awe. Don't you love that? It's like they couldn't wait to be at church. Like, God, what are you going to do today? You know, (laughs) what's going to happen? They couldn't wait to just live life. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And they were seeing lives being changed spiritually, physically. They were seeing marriages being healed and redeemed and restored All the believers, that's everybody, all the believers were together and had everything in common, right? What that means is our common mission, common purpose. We're living our lives for the glory of God, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Man, they were a generous church, right? God blessed us, we're going to be a blessing. It's not just all for us. We're going to give back, we're going to tithe, we're going to serve, we're going to see a need, we're going to meet it. We're going to realize that people are more important than possessions, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Right? They had a large group. And they also broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Large group, small group. Right? Corporate worship, community groups. That's the model. That's what we do. And they had glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Man, they just worshipped and God was moving and working. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And that's what we're going to camp out today. Last week we talked about the importance of worshiping together in the community, the body gathered. And today we're talking about what it means to reach out together, what it means to share the love of Christ with others. Now, when you see the early church there in Acts chapter 2, right? I mean, God used the church to impact the world. I mean, 300 years after this, right, Constantine would become the first Christian emperor of Rome. I mean, to transform the entire world world. It's the church that was the first one to start hospitals and hospice and schools and prison reform and to feed the hungry. It's the church that God just unleashed for His glory to impact and change the world. And so we are the church, the body of Christ today. So I want to back up and see how this people back then lived that out and how we're called to live that out today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to see Jesus' great commission. His great commission that he gave to his disciples back then. And that is the commission for us today. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures online and follow along with us and what God's word says. Uh, Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen so that you can unpack the word of God together today. So Matthew chapter 28 pick up here in verse 19. Jesus, after he's been crucified and resurrected, he assembles after 40 days, his disciples, these 11 guys, that's kind of his inner group. There were more disciples. We'll see that in a little bit. But kind of that inner core, he brings them together and he says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And listen, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now, you know, Jesus' last words are going to be pretty important, right? I mean, he's been with these guys for three years. And now these are the very last words. And and you think about what you want your last words to be maybe one day. And you go, man, I want to just tell my kids this, my grandkids this. I want to tell them this is important. And here's what Jesus says. And there's five things I want to highlight. Number one is this. He says, go. Go. So you see the call to go, if you're taking notes. The call to go. He says, hey, don't just stand here on the mountain and look up. You know, don't just stand here on the mountain and build some shelter and kind of peace out on the world. You are in the world. Now, you're not of the world. But you have this call to go. To go. To be the hands and feet of Christ. Sometimes we want to sit back on the sidelines, right? And watch everything happen out there. And he's like, no, you be involved. You be engaged, you go. Now this go is a present participle in the Greek. And it means while you're going, while you're living life, while you're going to work, you know, while you're at home, or while you're hanging out with your friends. It says go, the second thing is this, go and make disciples. The call to make disciples. You know, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A lot of people, a lot of Christians live like it says, go and make money, <laughs> you know. Hey, go and make a name for yourself. or Go and make a career. But Jesus' mission for us is to go and make disciples. And discipleship starts at home. So if you're a parent, or you're a grandparent, or you're an aunt, or an uncle, it starts there. Having spiritual conversations with your kids. I mean, where else are they going to hear about Jesus? Where else are they going to learn truth? Where else are they going to know about the Word of God? It begins at home, but it doesn't just start there. It starts there, and it moves out. It's while you're going, share the love of Christ. Guys, we live in a world that is searching and seeking, right? We live in a world filled with hate right now. And it just breaks your heart when you watch this stuff. You're just like, what is going on? Stop. We live in a world of fear. We live in a world that's in desperate need and searching. And Jesus says, you go. You go and make disciples. Then he says, of all nations. Now, I think that's important because the fact is Jesus loves all people. Okay? Jesus loves all. All people. He loves everyone. And for us to be people who love that way. Uh, now these disciples are going, all nations. I mean, we live like up at Galilee. We fish in the Sea of Galilee. We're down here in Jerusalem. We don't ever get out of our country. You know, we walk everywhere. How are we going to go to all nations? But what they didn't realize was 10 days later at Pentecost, all the nations would come to them. And the church would be set on fire. And what we got to realize is this. All nations are coming to us. I mean, here in Middle Tennessee, it's unbelievable. People are moving here from all over. And for us just to be aware of that. Now, God may call you to do a mission trip at some point, to go to Moldova, to go to the Amazon, to go to Haiti, to go to Lebanon, to go to South Africa, go somewhere. But the fact is this. Just while we are going for us to share the love of Christ. Then you see this, the call The call to baptize new believers. And baptism is this beautiful picture, right? You're dying your way of life, going under the water, and being raised to walk a new life. And baptism is like that that just stake in the ground. I'm a follower of Jesus. And if you ever have the privilege to stand with somebody when they're being baptized, you will never forget it. I mean, you'll never forget your own baptism, right? When you were baptized. But when you have that privilege, I've baptized all three of my daughters. Here, right here. And I, I tell you, I just—I tear up talking about it now. Because it's so special. I've baptized many of you. But there's such a privilege here at Rolling Hills. We have the opportunity where, where dads will baptize their children. Or moms will baptize their children. Or neighbors. Or small group leaders. Or people who are friends. And it's just awesome to be there with them in that moment of them making that declaration of their faith. And then you see this, the call, the call to teach others. See, it doesn't stop at baptism. It it just really starts there. That's that relationship with God. But the call to teach, the call to pour into others. And these fishermen are going, you want us to teach? I mean, that's the Pharisees' job, right? That's the people who went to seminary's job. And we're ordinary business guys. How are we going to teach but they didn't realize that Jesus had been pouring into them for three years. And many of you, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Okay, Some of you, you grew up in church and you, you grew up going to Sunday school. You grew up going on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Man, you were there all the time. Some of you, you were a part of like RAs and GAs and mission friends. And, and now all that's been poured into you in your turn. It's my, my turn to pour out into others, to, to teach. And even if you're just one step ahead, you can teach somebody that step, right? And for us just to be people who are aware of that. And then the fifth one I think is so important here, the call to trust in his presence. And and I love, I love, I love when Jesus just ends it like this. He says, hey guys, listen, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I don't know what's going on in your life today. I mean, maybe you're in a great season or, or maybe you're in a tough season. But I want to tell you this. Jesus made a promise to you that he would be with you. And he is with you today. There's times in my life that get hard, that get overwhelming. And, and sometimes I'll just kneel down and, and I hear, hear him just say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to be with you. And I'm just like, thank you. That's it. That's all I need. You know, I'm good. Now, when we talk about reaching out or we talk about evangelism, we talk about sharing our faith, a lot of times people go, oh, that's not me. Okay, you know, like, oh, yeah, maybe somebody else, maybe that's for the extroverts in the room, you know, and I'm an introvert, you know, maybe that's for people who have been with, you know, got a long time. But the commission or the challenge is for all of us. It's for everybody. A lot of people go, well, Christianity, my faith is private. You know, I just got this private faith. Well, Christianity's not a private faith. Christianity is a very public faith. You know, Buddhism—that's a private faith. You can go sit on a mountain somewhere. You know, but but Christianity is you living it out. It's you putting that into practice. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's you being the hands and feet of Christ, and it's loving others. And it's real simple, right? It's not that we have to go save everybody or save the world. It's just us seeing needs and meeting them. It's us speaking love and speaking grace and speaking truth and saying, hey, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you. And for us to be those people. See, that's what happened in the early church. They heard this great commission. Ten days later, they begin to live it out. They begin to be bold in their faith. Sometimes we go, well, you know, sharing your faith. I mean, (laughs) talking about Jesus, that's really not politically correct. Okay? I mean, we live in a world today and you just really don't talk about your faith at work. You don't say, when somebody's going through a hard time, hey, I'll pray for you. You know, you just you just can't really do that. But think about this: Jesus is telling these guys, hey, you go and just love people, you go and share me with others. And he's just been crucified on a cross by the Romans who are in charge at this time and by the Jewish leaders. So you think it wasn't politically correct? (laughs) I mean, these now, you guys go and they're thinking, okay, we're putting our lives on the line here. But God was going, yeah, but I'm going to start a movement that's going to change the world. I'm going to start a movement that's going to lead the world to me. And I'm calling you to be bold in that. And for us just to simply say, okay, God, I'm yours. (laughs) Use me. See, Jesus has been preparing these guys the whole time. I want you to turn with me to Luke. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Jesus did this on-the-job training with his disciples. So for three years, he's pouring into these guys. Just like he's been pouring into you for many years, you know, and teaching you. You've been coming to church. You've been hearing it. And now God's calling you to live it out. But he pours into these guys. And in Luke 10, if you pick up at verse 1... It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So here's these disciples. And he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So Jesus sends them out. And notice he sent them out two by two. They weren't sent out alone, okay? They're going out two by two. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now notice a couple of things here. One notice that he sent them out two by two, right? You, you don't have to do evangelism alone. You don't have to go out by yourself. There's sometimes people who go to be missionaries, but even missionaries that go deep into the Amazon or missionaries that go to other places in the world. They go with a group that sins. They go with people praying. They grow with groups that are there with them and for them. This is something that we're better together in. Notice that he says, the harvest is plentiful. People are hungry. People are ready to respond to Christ. A lot of times we think, well, no, people don't want to hear. Yeah, they do. And people searching on the internet, people searching on Google, you know, tell me about spiritual things. People want to know. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. People are ready to respond. The problem's not people ready to respond. The problem is, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. The problem is that people aren't ready to talk about it. So he says, you go and you be ready to talk about it. You go, you be willing and ready to share the love of Christ with others. And for us, just to enter into spiritual conversations, just to be willing to say, hey, I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. I'll talk about this with you. This is what God's done in my heart, in my life. And I love in verse 3 where he just says, go, exclamation point. I love exclamation points anyway. So it's just like, go, you know? I mean, don't just sit around. And then he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I will be with you. And our faith and our dependence is on Jesus. As disciples of Christ, we're called to live on mission. We're called to live on mission. And our faith and our dependence is on Jesus That Jesus is the Lord of our life. That he is the one that receives the glory. See, Jesus is calling you. He's calling me. And it would be easy to sit back and just go, you know what? I'm just going to sit and soak. I'm just going to kind of, but no, he's calling you and me. And his call comes to you. And here's how we do that. Number one is this, be available. If you and I are to live out this great commission in our life, if you and I are to live out this calling, number one is simply be available. There's this guy in the Old Testament named Isaiah and he's this prophet and he hears from God and he hears, hear God saying, hey, whom shall we send? And Isaiah's like, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me, like put me in coach. I don't want to just sit on the bench. I I don't want to be, put me in. I don't even know what the assignment is, but put me in coach. I'm here. See, God's looking for availability, not just ability. And a lot of times we disqualify ourselves, right? We go, oh, I don't like to public speak. You know, that's not me. That, that, that's not, it's fine. I mean, the people who change the world many times aren't the people on the platform, it's the people who are living it out, who are having conversations. You know, that's just not me. I, you know, I don't really like to talk about it. God's just saying, hey, you be available. And whenever I prompt your heart, you just go, okay. Because see, it's only Christ who changes the heart, right? It, it's not us. It's Christ who works in people's lives. It's just Christ working through us. And so he just says, hey, be available. Be available. And as you start to look around, you start to think, hey, there's people in my life. And they're having questions. And they're watching the news. And they're wondering, why is there hate? And they're wondering about fear. And they're wondering about war. And they're having these questions. And, and at some point, maybe I can just step in and say, hey, I want to tell you about a Savior who's with us, regardless of what's going on. I want to tell you about a God who really does love all people and a God of grace, and a God of mercy. The second thing, be available, second thing is this, be ready. (laughs) Be ready. Be ready. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, there comes a point where you just go, is he the Lord of my life? Am I willing to do whatever God calls me to? Is he the Lord? And if he's the Lord of my life, then I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him, Right? But in your heart set apart Christ is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone, to everyone, who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I love this last part, but do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we're not called to beat people over the head with the Bible. We're not called to be judgmental. That's not a Christian at all. We're called to be a people of grace. We're called to be a people of love. But always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. There was a guy who called me a couple of years ago and, and uh, from our church and you could just hear the tears in his voice and, and he said Pastor Jeff, he said my, my younger brother was just diagnosed with cancer and they're not giving him long to live and he said we're so close and he said would you pray for me I'm going to fly up there tomorrow and I'm going to be with him and I said yeah I'll pray for you and, and I, I said what do you want me to pray specifically and he, he said I don't know where he stands spiritually he goes I just don't know and he goes, we've been close, but we've always talked about sports and we've talked about the weather and we've talked about family and we've talked about friends, but, but we've never had a spiritual conversation. And he goes, and now it's at this time. And, it, and then he made this statement that just stuck with me. He said, I feel so ill-prepared for something so important. I feel so ill-prepared for something so important. And I just thought, whoa. So we prayed together and sure enough, the guy flew up and he called me and and he just said, you, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, I started talking to my brother about Christ. And, and, and man, he just said, you know, I've been always searching and seeking in my whole life. And I've been trying to find fulfillment. And, and he said, right there on his bed, he said, I had the opportunity to talk to him about Jesus. And he, and he prayed. And he, he asked Christ to be the Lord of his life. And he said, thank you for praying. And he was just so excited about that. He goes, he was burdened. He goes, but I know I'm going to see my brother again. And so I want you to write down some verses. This is just simply called the Roman road. And you can just write these verses down. You can have them with you sometime. If you have somebody in your life, a family member, a friend, and and they're having spiritual questions. Hey, I don't want you to ever get to the point where you go, man, I feel so ill-prepared for something so important. So Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. It just says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that we've all messed up. I've messed up. I've sinned, right? We've all messed up and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. you got a holy God now, and you got sinful man. And there's a separation, and it's death. And we're all going to face that at some point, right? But then Romans 5.8 Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrated, God took the initiative, God who is sovereign, God came to us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ made a way for us. And Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved everyone, it's an invitation that God has given and God has called me. See, you have that opportunity just to be with somebody. And maybe there's somebody that's already on your heart, your life, and every week we get prayer requests and people say, hey, pray for me, this person in my life that don't know Christ, or pray for me, my son or my daughter or my family member my friend, and and pray for me just to have an opportunity to talk with him. And what an incredible opportunity just to be the hands and feet of Christ and say, there's a God who loves you. And there's a God who loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And then share your story. Hey, this is what God's done in my life. You know what? This is what happened to me. I was dead in my sins and my transgressions. I, I was messed up. I've blown it. i made mistakes. But there is a God who came and rescued me. A God who's redeemed me. And the third one is this. Be together. Be together. And that's what I love about the early church, right? In Acts two forty-two through 47, it says, hey, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They took what God was doing in their life during that three-year period. They took this commission that God had told them and then they lived it out. And they just went and they started praying for people and inviting people and encouraging people. And they saw God do it a miracle and change the world. Could God change the world through us? I believe it. Could God bring revival through his disciples just getting on fire and just saying, hey, Lord, use us here, around the world for your name, for your glory. I believe it. And here's how it works, right? You have somebody at work who's going through a hard time or you have a neighbor who you just moved in and, and you say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church. I'd love for you to invite you. And at first they go, yeah, sure, okay. And then they don't come, they don't come. And then after a few weeks, all of a sudden they show up. They don't even tell you, they just show up and they pull in the parking lot and they see some people like waving and smiling and they're like, wow, that's different. People look like they're excited to be at church. I mean, wow, that's kind of cool. And so they pull in, they walk in the doors and there's greeters and they're waving, they're talking to them. They're like, that's different. They look like they're excited I'm here. You know, I don't even know these people and they're they're happy. And then they come back to the preschool, the children, the student area and they're like, wow, these people are having fun. This is different. They come in and they hear musicians who are using their gifts and their talents to glorify God and they're like... That's awesome music. That's really cool. And they hear the word of God. And they're like, "That there's something there. There's something that God is wow. And then they leave and they call you and they say, hey man, can we meet up? They send you a text or an email and they say, I'd love to get lunch or get coffee with you. And you just have the chance to sit down. And you just say, hey, here's what God's doing in my life. I'd love for you to come to our community group. I'd love for you to get involved. I'd love for you to see life change happen. I want you to watch this. This is a guy, Alex. who." He was baptized two weeks ago and he was baptized by his neighbor Peter. And Peter, who's a part of our church, had been inviting Alex for about a year to church. Every week for an entire year. And Alex finally came. And I want you to see a little bit of his story.
1: My journey started as a, as a child. My parents raised me and my brother in a, actually here in town at Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. It was a great experience. We were very involved in the uh, youth group setting. A lot of my friends were getting baptized early on, and I never understood uh, fully what what that was. And I, for some reason, I never said I'm going to be a follower right now and and uh, get baptized because I just don't understand it. Over the years, teenage years, uh, 20s and 30s, my journey with Christ has been uh, pretty volatile uh, due to some of my uh, experiences that I put put myself through, I blame God for a lot of my, my struggles uh, a while back before I finally realized uh, that God really has never left my side and has always been there to protect me and has kept me here for whatever reason and uh, there's a lot uh, left to be revealed down the road. When I finally got myself out of the way and realized that there is a God and it's not me, that's really when he came in and started working hard. Uh, my wife, Lindsay and I have talked about finding a church home, and we're fortunate enough to have uh, the Good Ones, who are members here, uh, move in next door to us, and we met them, not by coincidence, it's God's plan that uh, that happened. And over time, they started telling us about, uh, you know, kept asking, not uh, bugging us, but just asking, you know, you want to join us for church, you want to join us for church. And as soon as we came in here, we felt, felt like we belonged. And it was a, uh, the feeling that we have both been searching for, really. I realized for a long time now that if I ever found a place that felt comfortable and felt right, I would open my mind up to being baptized. And when I came in here, I said, this feels right. This is one of the, what I want to do.
0: I mean, isn't that awesome? I, mean, I just love that. And I love it. It's like the professional staff, you know. It's just people living it out. It's just people saying, hey, you know, what God's done in my life, and I want to share with you, and to think about Alex, I love this guy, just to see the impact on his marriage, to see the impact on his family, to see the impact on generations, because there's a guy, Peter, who just said, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me. Because God's worked in my life, and God's changed me, and then we all lock arms together, right? See, the church isn't a country club, Okay. The church is a country that just exists for us. And we go, hey, we got our little thing going here. We got our holy huddle and we're all happy, you know, and everybody else. Yeah. No, the, the church exists for people outside of here. The church is the body of Christ living Jesus out in a world of need. Jesus said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when you and I are just available to God, you know, I don't have all the answers, but, but God, here I am, <laughs> If you want to use me in my workplace, you use me in my neighborhood, you want to use me on a mission trip or use me in a different place, God, I'm yours. And then as God works through you, there's just this joy that comes when you go, oh, I get it. This is what makes sense. This is what is important. This is where God is at work. I saw this article a couple weeks ago. It was in the Washington Post. And it was about something that happened at Panama City Beach. Um, many of you have probably been there on vacation. You can kind of picture the place in your mind. But This was July 11th, this summer. And it says, when Jessica and Derek first saw the beachgoers pausing to stare toward the water, the young couple just assumed someone had spotted a shark. Then they noticed flashing lights by the boardwalk, a police truck on the sand, and nearly a dozen bobbing heads about 100 yards beyond the beach crying desperately for help. Six members of a single family, four adults and two young boys and four other swimmers, have been swept away by powerful and deceptive rip currents churning below the water's surface. These people are not drowning today, Jessica thought, as she told the Panama City Herald. It's not going to happen. We're going to go get them. She was a strong swimmer and fearless in the face of adversity. But others had tried to reach them, and each previous rescue attempt had only stranded more people. There was no lifeguard on duty, and law enforcement on the scene had opted to wait for a rescue boat. People on the beach had no rescue equipment, only boogie boards, surfboards, and their arms and legs. Form a human chain, they started to shout. Roberta Ursa was among those caught in the treacherous rip currents. From a hundred yards away in the Gulf of Mexico, between crashing waves and gulps of salt water, she heard the shouting. Form a human chain. By then, Ursa and the eight other people stranded with her had already been in the water for nearly 20 minutes, fighting for their lives. Ursa and the others had ventured into the water to rescue her two sons, Stephen, age 8, and Noah, age 11, who had gotten separated from their family while chasing waves on their boogie boards. Any of you, parents, man, you know that feeling that's just, ah. And then watching them being drifted out and running after them, swimming after them, But when they tried towing them back to shore, they couldn't break free of the current. They tried to swim straight. They tried to swim sideways, but nothing worked. After about 10 minutes, a few young men with a surfboard helped one of them back to shore, but the number of people needing rescue just continued to grow. Soon, Ursa, who had heard her own boy's cries from the beach, was also caught up in the rip currents, followed in close succession by her 27-year-old nephew, 67-year-old mother, and 31-year-old husband. Another unidentified couple struggled to tread water nearby. The tide knocked every bit of energy out of us, Ursa said. So much water went up her nose that she was sure she was going to drown. I was exhausted, she said. On the shore, the human chain began forming. First with just five volunteers, then 15, then dozens more as the rescue mission grew more and more desperate. "'Jessica and Derek swam past the 80 or so human links, "'some who couldn't even swim, "'and headed straight for the Ursas, "'using surf and boogie boards to aid their rescue efforts. "'I got to the end, and I know I'm a good swimmer,' Jessica said. "'I practically grew up in a pool. "'I knew I could get there, "'and I was praying we could get them out. "'She and her husband started with the children, "'passing Stephen and Noah back along the human chain, "'which passed them all the way to the beach.' By the time Jessica reached Ursa, the 34-year-old mother could hardly keep her head above water. I'm going to die, Ursa thought to herself. My whole family's going to (laughs) die. I just can't do it anymore. Ursa then remembered hearing Jessica coax her on. I blacked out because I couldn't stay afloat. She woke up on the sand to the sound of more screams in the water. Someone yelled that Ursa's mother, Barbara Franz, still in the water, was having a heart attack. Derek told the News Herald that Franza's eyes were rolling back. And at one point, the 67-year-old woman told rescuers to just let her go and to save themselves. Instead, Ursa's husband and nephew held Franza's body up as they struggled to keep their own heads above water. That's when the chain got the biggest, Ursa said. They linked up wrists, legs, arms. It's as if they were helping. (laughs) They were preparing for us to be rescued. Nearly an hour after they first started struggling, just as the sun prepared to set, all 10 stranded swimmers were safely back on shore and the entire beach erupted in applause. It was beachgoers in the grace of God's will, Ursa said. That's why we're here today. It actually showed me that there are some good people in the world. In a Facebook post, Jessica expressed a similar sentiment. To see people from all different races and genders come together in action to help total strangers. It's absolutely amazing to see people who didn't even know each other went hand in hand in a line into the water to try and reach them. Pause and just imagine that. Well, Jessica, I do pause and I just imagine this. Church. The body of Christ linking arms hands and legs just to reach out and to say to those around us there is a God who loves you there is a God of grace there is a God of mercy aren't you thankful for the people who reached out to you aren't you thankful for parents who took you to church or a neighbor who invited you or a friend or a coworker who sat down and said, Hey, can I pray with you or pray for you? Aren't you thankful for a teammate who met you for coffee? Or aren't you thankful for people who poured into you just to share the love of Christ? Your life's been changed by the grace of God. And now you and I, God's called us to be a link in that chain. And we could sit on the sidelines, or we could sit on the beach and just soak it up and say, "Hey, it's all about me," when God's saying, "No, no, 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 no. I want to use you for my glory. But God, I don't know enough. but God, I'm not this. but God I'm that. no, 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 no. It's the spirit of God working through you. You just reach out with the same grace that was offered to you. Listen, I don't know where you are today. I don't. And maybe you feel like, man, you're just stranded. Maybe you feel like those people who are bobbing up in the water. Maybe you feel like you're just caught up and drifting away. And I want to tell you this, there is a God who has come to your rescue. There is a God who has come and is reaching out to you to redeem you, to restore you, to tell you you are that important to Him. In fact, you are so important to Him that He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for you. Maybe you're here today and, and you've gotten comfortable but yet God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not finished with you. There is still breath in your lungs for a reason and for a purpose. And I want to use you and your family. And I want to use you in your workplace and your community to offer love and grace. The same that you've received. This morning, would you just be available to God? And allow Him to work on your heart and your life. I don't know where you are today, but I know this. God is here. And you are here for a reason and for a purpose. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. This is between you and the Lord. Between you and Him. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. You realize that there's a lot of people who have linked arms and are reaching out. You realize that there's a God who's offering you grace and mercy. And today, right where you sit, you just go, okay, God, I'm yours. And right where you are, you just pray, and Father God, forgive my sins, all my mistakes, all my past. God, make me new, <laughs> make me whole. I'm yours. Maybe today, if you're honest, you've kind of been comfortable. Maybe you've been a, away from church for a while, or maybe you grew up as a believer, but you haven't gotten involved. And today, God's saying, it's time. It's time. I've got a plan and a purpose for you that will blow you away. Would you trust me? I want to use you today for my glory. This morning, would you just in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Christ, you are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. And I'm putting a stake in the ground that just says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And I'm going to lock arms with other believers to make a difference in the world today. So Father God, here we are at all different places in our spiritual walk or our spiritual journey, but yet God, all seeking you and longing to be disciples, longing to be men and women after your heart. So teach us today from your word. God, thank you for the church, the body of Christ, and that we accomplish your will together. Open our eyes to you and your love and grace. And we respond to you right now.